Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Voted Bateman. What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? We're here. It's a nighttime stream. We haven't done this. We haven't done this yet. So Alex this is, yeah, and I... This is a test. Yeah, we used to record the podcast at night back in the day. This was a thing we did for a long, long, long time. And so nowadays... up until maybe a year and a half ago, kind of the moment that you noticed we stopped having as many guests, we, because of work reasons and because I was getting married and because we were traveling so much and whatever, whatever, we decided to start recording the podcast in the morning. And uh, that's why the live streams for the last almost three months has been happening during the morning because that's when we were recording. Uh, because we're doing a live stream and we realize we want to get more people into the audience, you guys listening right now, uh, and because also from a work schedule perspective, it just makes more sense and I'm no longer getting married or planning a wedding, so it's easier to do stuff now. Um, and it makes it so we're trying this for the first time. We don't know if this will be a permanent thing, but we're trying to do evenings. Uh, it'll be either Mondays or Tuesdays. That's also being decided upon. Uh, in fact, people listening to the podcast, watching the podcast on YouTube or on the stream right now, let us know if you think Mondays or Tuesdays are better for you. Uh, but uh, this is a new thing. And so if you're not watching this live right now, make sure to come check us out on Mondays or Tuesdays uh, on YouTube. We live stream it every week. We also, if you're watching now, please subscribe. There's a little subscribe button, maybe a little bell that'll alert you whenever we go live. That way you can be with us every time we do this because it's a blast. And we will keep you abreast of exactly what we're doing. So this is the Masters of Modern podcast as alex alluded to just a minute ago we talk about modern on this show we the modern format in the magic the gathering game which is our favorite game and today for a really fun episode full of awesome things grand prix atlanta happened right there's a lot yeah. of cool decks like it was a is a straight modern grand prix in this crazy climate of modern so there's a lot of things there. last gp atlanta was the uh first time I ever made day two at a gp oh really yeah what were you playing uh it was limited Oh, yeah. <laughs> All of my good finishes are limited, too. I'm really good at limited formats the, like, first three weeks it comes out. Before I people, like, know totally what they're doing yet? Because I, I don't play enough limited to be able to keep up with what's good, but I'm good enough at understanding how to be good at magic and how to play magic well, as well as evaluating fresh formats being thrown in front of me that I do well. Like, I do really well at pre-releases. I do well at, at, at limited GPs in the first... or limited events early on in the format, and but I'm not, like reading lists and keeping up with like what first pick is second pick etc so then when you get into later seasons i do worse so i agree i like when dominaria draft went up i was like i love this format but i'm now really bad at it because everyone spent way more time getting good at it i played a tremendous amount of m19 largely because i played so many of the beta qualifiers at gen con Uh, i played like five days worth in a row yeah and one, and I did well in one of them, but I like I don't usually get to play as much limited like that many events. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, limited is not what this podcast is about. It's about modern. And so Grand Prix yeah. Atlanta happened. There's really cool decks to talk about from that tournament. We're going to be asking the question: Is modern a healthy format right now? There are some criticisms on Twitter. We are going to be addressing. And finally, massive spoilers this week: Ultimate Masters, the next master set, a premium in, master inten- set. It was an intentional preview. What? It was an intentional preview. Well, spoilers are always intentional. Yeah, they don't like the word spoiler. Leaks are not. Spoilers are what they intend. We get a spoiler. No, we get a preview card. Nah, spoilers. They don't love the word spoiler. 
Okay, well, <laughs> cards that are in the new set that were uh, responsibly <laughs> released by Wizards of the Coast came out, and an announcement about Ultimate Masters, the uh, allegedly ma last Masters set, came out. So there's a ton the to talk about today. Um, he mentioned subscribe on YouTube. Please follow on Twitter. We have a Twitter. It's called the at the MMCast. You can find Alex. I'm at Cass Wiley. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media. And uh, the one thing, make sure, uh, once again, make sure to subscribe on YouTube. And the one shout-out I want to start doing now when we do this is um, we're doing an episode comment. So either if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to this on the podcast, or if you're watching this live, and more importantly live, because at the end of the episode we'll read some of the people's answers to this question is uh, is modern currently too linear? And we want uh, is it and why? And if you're on the live chat, we will read our favorite answer if someone gives a good answer. At the end of the episode. Absolutely. Um, so, first off, on our uh, little outline I have here, because I have an outline, yeah. is uh, GP Atlanta. Let's go over that, because that's Just more modern-focused. Get all the people that are here for the modern, gooey content yeah. on the inside. It's so on the outside the now. big deal about this tournament is that this tournament was won by Bant Spirits. This is People have been talking about this deck like it's a... Uh, yeah. It's the new humans. It's a real deck. I mean, it, it's been a thing for a while. I mean, this is this is... This is this is yet another tribal, uh, like a tribal twenty land vile deck mm -hmm. with like sweet creatures. Well, I think that was kind of everyone's point. Is since Supreme Phantom has come out, yep. it has more or less cemented himself at or itself the deck as the new premier Aether Vile deck, right. um, where humans was that beforehand. And I don't know if I think it's a little bit meta game dependent because literally last week at at the SG events there was a better performance for humans out of that format, and I think it's just going to bounce back and forth. Um, but, yeah, it obviously took down the whole thing, and it's here to stay. I think one of the most interesting things about this is that, like, Aether Vial in Modern for the longest time was not a real card. It was, a, it was really one of those cards that when Modern was announced, and they said, you know, like, Top is banned and, and, and uh, GTA is banned, there was a real kind of gasp, like, oh, Aether Vial is legal. Mm -hmm. Like, this is one of those crazy powerful cards that Legacy loves, and we can play it in Modern. But I then... Think, I think part of that, I think, is just the tribal issue, is that the best tribal sets in Legacy weren't in Modern. And so Elves, Goblins, Merfolks didn't... Merfolk, and Merfolk has kind of always been around with Aether Vial and has been the premier Aether Vial deck until very recently. But... Since we've now like had this weird humans moment and we had spirits get all of the support over these last set, these are kind of cementing themselves as the most common tribes versus elves, goblins, merfolk, which used to be the case. Yeah, and I think I think uh, vile the vile decks of modern play very fair magic. They relative to like what the vile decks of legacy would play. Like there's no like there's no like aether vile standstill. We're not like doing anything crazy like that. True, though. I mean, I, uh, I mean historically, the most common aether vile decks in modern are. Uh, Merfolk and goblins. I mean, I late, mean late, for a while, goblins, basically since Mental Mistup, goblins have been a thing, but in the history of Legacy, goblins was a real deck. And in reality, they were Aether Vile Wasteland decks. Like, that's the difference, I think, between the two is Modern is using them more for instant speed shenanigans and, like, really a two-drop platform, while Aether Vile in Legacy is used to allow decks to still play threats and creatures as they're wastelanding their opponents out of the game. So a couple things to point out about this particular list that won, and this the, the tournament was won by I'm going to try this uh, Pian Zhang, uh, it's a player whose name I didn't say probably correctly, um, but his Bant Spirits deck is playing three copies of Vile in the main, not yeah. four, which I find kind of curious considering Vile is the like Vile and Ancestral Visions are probably the two best on turn one one drops in modern, but like Nazis. 
Thoughtseize is still pretty good if you draw it on turn three because you like. Well, Visions is great on turn. Like playing Visions on turn one is not bad, but like ask any good blue player, they're going to say the later you, like the key of being a good magic player is the later you wait to play your cantrip, the better, because you're just going to use it better later on. I mean, I think that in general, Visions is a much worse card after turn one. Like, you, because if you top deck it, you can't use it for four turns. Like, that's that's like a reality. Like, no matter how, like, you could be playing great magic, it's a literal dead card for four turns. If you die before it resolves, you're just dead. It's a just, you drew nothing. Are you tweeting about this? I'm asking Twitter, what turn is the best turn to cast Serum Visions in a game of magic? Not Serum Visions. Oh. Ancestral Vision. Oh, 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 oh. That's why I said cantrip. Oh, 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 oh. Ancestral Visions. Ancestral Visions. Ancestral Visions and Vile, I'm saying, are yeah, the yeah, two yeah. cards that are like, on turn one are amazing, and the later you draw them, the worse they are. Yeah, sure, okay, So I'm not on page. I'm not on board. <laughs> Listen, son. Yeah, so uh, everything I said, but to pretend that it was me talking about Serum Visions, and Ben's the crazy one. <laughs> so three Vile, though, is kind of interesting to me, because like, don't, wouldn't you want to increase your chances? Like, I would play one less land. To, I'd play 20 lands uh, and four I think, Vile's. I think it's a conceit to, A, they have a little bit more of a, a wider, like, they have Path, they have Collected Company, they're playing, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm assuming he has a reason he did it, and maybe it's the just Noble Hierarch Mausoleum Wanderer game plan. Yeah. Um, I, the, the one point that the chat did bring up that I do think is, an, is actually probably the biggest reason that Vile has come around is Collected Company. Hmm. Before Collected Company, it was Birthing Pod, and Birthing Pod decks were much more about having things up a curve scale, and that was the main Creature Hate Bear deck, and Birthing Pod was so much more powerful than Vile is that it would make no sense to play Vile over Birthing Pod. With Birthing Pod gone and Collected Company being the premier card to kind of pump creatures out, but they have to be specifically in the exact framework that Aether Vile wants. You want one drops, two drops, and three drops in that deck, and so Aether Vile becomes so much better than it was before when the creature decks were trying to curve up to six drops. That's totally fair. I mean, it, it, just, it just only strikes me as a strange move. Jacob Mayer says everyone plays three vile. Huh. I mean, I'm sure in this list, I'm just saying that in tribal decks. It's, it's because company and path. Yeah. I mean, and I, I got that from playing Superior Burn and Coco, where I'd, you play both together, yeah. and like one is pretty bad with the other. So, so once we get past Bant Spirits, I mean, the top eight, like, so, uh, I forget who made the tweet uh, earlier or during the weekend, but, you know, the format is basically a... Uh, Deck that's playing no, it's it's three cards to find this top eight. It's it's um, sorry, it's faithless looting. Uh, what's the green card that starts with cards? Ancient stirrings. Sorry, ancient stirrings, faithless looting, or or uh, cavern of souls. Like okay. that's basically what the format is here. And when you really look at it, it's they're not wrong. I guess like the one card here that doesn't really fit this is infect. Because it doesn't play any of those cards. Doesn't play. That's the only deck in this entire thing. Though it is just an attacking combo deck. It's the one deck in this that doesn't play one of those three things. But well, one, um, of, one of the things that I notice about this top eight is that, I mean, aside from Banned Spirits, which is a relatively reactive deck. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's reasonably reactive. Every single other deck in this format is basically just trying to ignore you and win, right? Correct. Like. I, I Even guess Spirits is doing that. I mean, it's trying to stop you a little bit more, but it's really it's, in a it's similar a, boat. Its best cards are cards that interact with you. So like Spell mm-hmm. Queller and Mausoleum Wanderer, Selfless Spirit, cards like that. Like they're, they're making your game plan harder versus like Hollow One is just like, I'm going to poop out all the power. Mm-hmm. And if you don't stop me, you'll lose. Well, Bridgevine, Hollow One, and Dredge are all basically the same deck playing. Like they play differently and what you're doing to accomplish that task is different. But 
you're playing a bunch of one drop red drop a bunch of one drop red spells to eventually pump out a bunch of four fours. I mean, hardened scales. Christopher <laughs> Larson played hardened scales in this top eight, which has become one of modern's premier decks, and that's basically a combo deck as well. Oh, it is a combo deck. It's I mean, you sac sacrifice like th this deck. We talked about a little bit when it first started coming out, but I mean, what a cool creation! Like, yeah. what a cool thing to come out. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the hardened scales deck is basically playing four copies of Hangerback Walker, four copies of Walking Ballista. A bunch of modular creatures, and then Steel Overseer so with here's, here's, the card Hardened Scales. Here's a s statement I'm going to make. In the history of Magic, in the long run, is modular a more powerful mechanic than Affinity? No question. Absolutely. Affinity itself is not that good of a mechanic. Mm -hmm. How many Affinity cards do you see in an Affinity list today? Like, no. if you see an Affinity list, how many cards There's do no have the There's no banned Affinity cards, so it's not... But, but modular cards you have seen play in modern since the beginning. Even with Affinity gone, what was the Affinity deck, you still have this Hardened Scales deck, which, if you look at the list, is just kind of a modified Affinity. It's playing less like Ornithopters and like trying to go off that way, but it has a lot of zero-cost artifacts trying to play Arcbound Ravagers and going off with them. Even like the best Affinity card, when I use that term lightly, is not even an Affinity card. It's Etch Champion. It's a Metalcraft card. Yeah. Like, if you look at every well, single Mox card is with Affinity, that's, that's Metalcraft as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Metalcraft has seen more play than Affinity has. Thoughtcast is the most played Affinity card in modern. This history. is every Affinity card, right? Yeah. Frogmite. Doesn't play. There's versions of Affinity that play it. I mean, it doesn't really seem Mirror Enforcer and Frogmite are like the two like Affinity creatures. And aside from that, it's Thoughtcast. That's it. No, Thoughtcast is the only Affinity card that has seen serious play in modern. Serious play. I'm telling you, there, there were versions. Andrew Brown played one of the GP. They're, 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 those two cards have shown up in versions I'm of not, Affinity. I'm not saying that they haven't seen play, but like Thoughtcast is a consistent card that Affinity plays. Usually or Frog Might, and, yeah, and, yeah. and those are both cards that people play, and it's like a spicy ad. Right, right, right. <laughs> it's, like, it's like how many, how many Galblasts, uh, uh, what's the other one? Not Galvanic Blasts, the, the five. Shrapnel Blasts and Thoughtcasts are you playing. It's usually your split of those 12 right. copies, and like that's well, what you're and, playing. And, and at different times, yeah, it's, just, it's definitely a very fascinating thing. Cradle Flating, is someone mentioned, is, is basically Infinity card, and I, I agree with that. I think that's the other card. But it doesn't have the keyword Affinity. I mean, well, but it, it is a, how many artifacts do you have in play powers this thing up, is I guess what, what the statement oh, is. Oh, sure, it gets one better every artifact you I think have. I think Cranial Plating is more of an Affinity card than any Metalcraft card you mentioned. Agreed, because they, they, they cap it out at three. It scales with artifacts, and... and, and that's a, that's a pretty interesting point, though. So, um, so, but yeah, this deck plays very differently. Um, similar mana base. It's cool to see as it's evolved that initially the decks were playing like one animation module. That was like a clever ad. Mm -hmm. And now they're like, this one's playing three, um, which if, uh, some of you guys probably don't know, but animation module is a one mana artifact. Whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are placed on a permanent you control, you may pay one if you do create a one one colorless servo artifact creature token. And three and a tap, choose a counter on target permanent or player. Give that permanent or player another counter of that kind. So animation module, sort of a semi-proliferate, semi-hardened scales card. Like proliferate, hardened scales, slash, what's something that makes tokens consistently? Young Pyromancer or something. It's like a kind of a combination of all those things. Sure. Um, yeah, which is, which is pretty cool. Costs one. Generally speaking, things that cost one in modern are good. I think the fact that it's an artifact that costs one that has a somewhat relevant ability is one of its biggest winning points. Like, yeah, I agree. This is a deck that wants to get as many artifacts into play as quickly as possible and just... 
being a zero-cost artifact is worth something to play that has, like, a, a random ability, so this is just a step up. Yeah, this, cool. card's, this card's good. Like, Mishra Bobble, Mishra's Bobbles in this deck is basically just a zero-cost artifact that, worst-case scenario, draws you a card. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. This is you trigger like something. The, they're comparable cards to me. Um, so I saw a lot of Ironworks this last, this last weekend. I watched several matches with it. There's two copies in the top eight here. How do you feel about it at this point? Like, we're, we're dealing with, like, eggs 3.0 kind of? I mean, it kills you quicker. Like, I think, like, the thing that people always forget with eggs is the, the reason it was banned wasn't because it was too good or because Pete Wizards doesn't like Storm decks or decks that play like Storm because Storm has survived. Uh, obviously, they don't, and they don't want a deck like that. But the biggest issue with eggs was that they would take 20-minute turn. They would go into turns and then take 20 minutes to go off fail and then do it again on their next turn making just tournaments unfeasible to function right and so it the, if a deck kills you quickly but plays like eggs it's fine from that perspective now is it healthy for modern is this a deck that i think has a chance of losing a piece to it yes and you know uh, this gets into a little bit of a conversation of is modern healthy right now or does it have problems and the fact that today's top eight is totally different from last week's top eights that were totally different than the weeks before that, it to me means it is healthy to a certain extent. But I do think the fact that we are now consistently seeing, uh, um, why am I not remembering what this card's called today? Consistently seeing ancient stirrings. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ancient stirrings being you know basically half top eights like the last couple top eights it's just been half of the format and their decks playing four of them and it's a cantrip that's arguably better than multiple cantrips on the ban list and it is the reason these decks like ironworks combo and tron are getting this consistency that makes the format less fun for people i am imagining a future where like currently i think that is the number one most likely card to be banned in january like, yeah. you know, the January is the band, the modern stuff gets banned. And, and maybe it's after the Pro Tour, so they let the Pro Tour happen, and then they ban it afterwards, which is what they did last year. But of the cards on this list, I mean, what was really funny is, uh, you know, I, I made the list. The list was Cavern of Souls, Ancient Stirrings, and Faithless Looting. Yep. And I just posted those three card names on Twitter with the intent of just kind of saying these are the cards that we're seeing play, but also just the intent of seeing, like, how do people react with me just listing these cards? And the amount of arguments that just developed with people that weren't me right. over banning or unbanning them or these, you know, like, like I did not tell people that these cards should be banned. That was not part of my tweet. It was literally just the card names. But the format right now, everyone is focusing on these cards as things that could be banned or unbanned. And Well, it's, I mean, if you think about Ancient Stirrings, you mentioned that it's as powerful as some of the cards in the ban list. I mean, this card is digging almost 10% of your deck. It's digging a little less than 10% of your deck for one green. That's a crazy, crazy, crazy high number of cards in your deck to be seeing for a green mana. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think, I think though, that your point being that those are the cards that define modern, and I have to say that if they I, were... I, I was saying that those are the cards that define this topic. And I think they kind of are, are the definitive cards I think of you modern can pull right them now. Yeah, 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 yeah. At least, at least several, three of the six or something. There but, are multiple decks that play Faithless Looting, there, and there's like even more so if you are a moto right now. Arc Lake Phoenix decks are obviously also taking off. You have... Obviously, seven different archetypes, almost in this top eight, all playing ser uh, not Serum Visions. But yeah, uh, and then you have both, you know, Band Spirits and, and Humans with, with Cavern of Souls kind of defining that, those three pyramids. And two of those cards are arguably unhealthy or are, are the basis of unhealthy t styles of gameplay. I think that Modern would be worse without the cantrips. I would I would not like playing it as much without being able to play like things with the margin of my available mana. Like whether it's on turn one or if it's like on turn three playing a two drop and a one drop. Oh, I, I agree that I want 
I mean, I've been arguing for now for four years that Serum Visions, but not Serum Visions, uh, Preordained doesn't, shouldn't be on the ban list. And to be totally honest, unban Preordained or ban, um, sorry, it's been a long day and I keep, what is, why? I'm just going to hold it up. Ancient Stirrings? Ancient Stirrings. I'm bringing the card up so it's available to me at all times. <laughs> like, Ancient Stirrings is the really card here. I, I, I think Faithless Looting Go Away hurts a lot of decks that do a lot of cool stuff. Like, it kills Goryu's Vengeance. It kills Arclight Phoenix decks. It kills Dredge, but it also kills um, Mardu decks. Like, that, that card is a little bit more definitively important for the format. I And it is technically card disadvantage. You aren't gumming up on cards yeah, with right. that card. Uh, it's just card selection um, versus ancient stirrings that is specifically a cult card filtering card that almost always lends itself to unfair decks decks that are focused on colorlessness are rarely healthy right like yeah 100% and and you know I forget does um, did the amulet bloom decks from last week also play ancient stirrings I believe they did yeah absolutely they did yeah so like amulet bloom Ironworks combo, Tron, Hardened Scales combo, like these are, and, and Lantern are six decks that none of them are that great to play against. Like from a health perspective, they're all kind of toxic in their own way. And this one card, like I'd much rather play against Ad Nauseam being better because it has Puritan. Like I'd much rather Storm get a little bit of a bump because Puritan is legal than like, I think, I think. You can't argue that those are that much worse than the one that we're in. I, I don't know if they. I don't know if modern gets more fair, slower, or less like coin flippy if you ban those cards. But I like being able to do things on turn one and always being able to have the ability to draw a card that lets me do something with my extra mana. So I'm in favor of those. What I do want to say is, looking at the day two metagame from this tournament, mm-hmm. um, because this is a kind of a you know the top eight is the top eight, and we've said this for a long time, like. Uh, in a lot of cases, it's like who drew their sideboard cards first is like what gets you the win in modern, which I don't know if it's the healthiest thing, except that that's like what makes up those best records. So mm-hmm. if you look at some of the other decks that performed well or even made day two, here's the breakdown. At the top, 34 day two players were playing humans, which we know has been the kind of the premier creature deck in modern for a little while now. Um, second place, Burn, 25 copies. Third is Jund. Fourth is Blue-White Control, and fifth is Bant Spirits. Now, every other deck there has less than 20 copies. Now, if you go to the bottom, you still, even down to Blue-Red Wizards taking turn, Grixis Were of Invention, have multiple copies of each of those decks in day two, with a bunch of cool decks that you guys know of filling in the blanks. I think going to the bottom is, I mean, the middle... Is it Phoenix is in there? Well, yeah, is it Phoenix you know, top, top Ad nauseum is in there. You know, place. you've got Storm. You've got you know Ironworks combo. You know Valica Harden skills. I mean, there's a ton of cool decks in here. Mm-hmm. Um, so a, a quick couple bits we're gonna get to here before we move on to the next part of the show. Um, there were some really cool breakout decks that were featured on on Wizards. They 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 talked about on um, the Mothership some of these some of these great decks, and we're going to get to those some really 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 sweet decks. Before we do, I want to remind everybody here, guys, we have a Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/TheMMCast. It's how we stay in business. It's how we <laughs> business. <laughs> Funny term. It's how we pay for the ability to make a podcast. <laughs> That's what we enjoy doing. We want to continue to be able to buy new gear and, and 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 do all the cool things that we have been talking to you guys about doing. This video setup you're seeing, it's literally because you. Guys 
guys donate to the Patreon. So uh, patreon.com slash the MMcast. You are privy to exclusive things there and, and the ability to send us private messages and, and submit deck lists for us to do deck techs on and stuff. Uh, and the other thing is that we have a sister podcast, which is called The Command Zone. They also have a show called Game Nights and a brand new show called Extra Turns. Check them out. Uh, that's Josh Lee Kwai, uh, started by him and Jimmy Wong, and they make awesome, awesome stuff. So check those things out. Let's talk about some of these sweet decks. Yeah, so first, uh, Devoted Evolution was pretty high up here. This was um, a pretty weird deck, right? This it was got, like... this got uh, I'm just looking at the top 32, uh, 26th place. And, I mean, this is seems to be kind of the Counters Company sequel. Like, this has taken over from um, the Coco decks that we're seeing a lot of play and is now seeing, it's playing four Postmortem Lunges. That's the big card, uh, yeah. Two Summoner Pact. And for Eldritch Evolution. How long have and I been talking? And one Shalia Voice of Plenty is the new card from. How long have I been talking about Postmortem Lunch and Modern? I've been talking longer about that card. Longer than I was happy when it showed <laughs> up and was then groaning on my, because, yeah, you For while. years I've been talking about that card. I love that card. And, and I've always been saying this, and, and I continue to say this. It's such a cool card because for the cost of the creature in two life, you get to put a creature into play directly from the graveyard with haste. So if it's like an activated ability creature... You just cast it, and it just has haste. And like so many things in modern, especially like this, I mean, I mean, that's like devoted druid. If it comes in with haste, you're going to win. That's probably how you're going to win. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter that you're mm-hmm. casting from your graveyard. So well, I think it also combos really well with Eldritch Evolution, where it gives you the ability to sacrifice these creatures early on, knowing that you'll be able to get them back on a combo turn that you need it. Being able to find either things that help you stabilize or things that help you finish off the combo. So yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah. Really, uh, really, really good. Blue red Phoenix. Where'd it go? Is it Phoenix? Is it a Phoenix deck? Because it is. <laughs> uh, Thing of the Ice, four Arc Light Phoenix, four Bedlam Reveler, and a bunch of good blue red spells. Uh, chart the Course in Modern, which I know has been kind of a long time coming. Fury Temper, or Fiery Temper. Good for you. <laughs> uh, is obviously a, uh, really good with all the cards you're discarding, and then just, you know, a bunch of good cantrips. Uh, and, you know, Mana Morphos, Bedlam Reveler, Arc Light Phoenix, and now Thing in the Ice, we've talked about on this episode, have so much going for them together that just this deck is just pumping out a bunch of four ofs, which is really cool. And even playing some burst lightnings to get on top of uh, just as much burn damage as possible for reach. Yeah, and this is definitely a pretty straight blue red Phoenix deck. Like yeah. this is this is like what you're expecting to see right now. Um, we talked about this I think last week or the week before. But some of the cool interactions in this deck are that obviously uh, Bedlam Reveler is a horror. Yeah, so yeah. Like your you, your three main threats. Sorry, continue. When you flip the thing in the eyes, it doesn't it doesn't incidentally bounce your Bedlam Reveler, which your, your three main threats work really well with Thing in the Ice. Because Arclay Phoenix doesn't come in until after Thing in the Ice would flip after casting a bunch of spells because it comes in at the beginning of combat and Bedlam Reveler doesn't get bounced because of Thing in the Ice either, so they all work together in a really cute way, and then all of them bit benefited just by how many instants and sorceries can you cast it. Do you think Burst Lightning is the right choice? That's that's like the interesting choice here because it's the only card in the entire deck that's not a four of in terms of spells in the main deck, spells think, and creatures. I think Burst Lightning is the best burn removal spell after Lightning Bolt for this style of deck. Like, I can't think of one that I would want above this. It's because scalably you get the extra damage, so... Well, I mean, like, Shock is fine. Some of the time, if not most of the time in modern, that like lightning bolt is fine, other than dealing damage, and then this scales up as a top deck if you just need to get that extra damage in, and I think that that is important and helpful. And I think you want to keep your mana low on this, and you want to be as many one drops as possible, so that helps as well. I think it's just 
I'm almost curious though, like. I'm just playing Fiery Temper, which is, I guess, the actual second best in this deck, and then Burst Lightning is the third. I'm curious if, like, Burst Lightning here is better than, say, playing, like, two Shard Volley or, like, playing, like, Lava Spike, even. Like, I know it's not going to be directed at creatures, no, but just, like, the extra clock you get out of it. The clock is less important here than the stability with clock. Like, this deck isn't doing anything for the first four turns. And if Thing of the Ice doesn't block a thing, then you really have to be able to stop what your opponent's doing. But then it also has just a moment where it goes from, oh, I just need to do two damage to you because I was able to swing in for nine with Phoenixes twice versus um, me stop trying to stop you. So having good top deck burn spells, I think, is important. I do think that this deck is looking to... Um, I'm just trying to, like... I, I don't think another removal spell really makes sense. I was thinking Gutshot... Like, Gutshot is a card I was kind of debating, because, yes, you get two extra damage out of this, but being able to cast that on... For two, free, yeah. Like, if you're able to Faithless Looting on turn one and then Faithless Looting two more times on turn two and then Gutshot someone, like, that's really fascinating to me. And also, this is just yet another reason why Gitaxian Pro being banned is legit, because, like... Yep. If oh, man, it was legal so in this deck, it would be like <laughs> it would be like uh, painfully awesome. Yeah. Like, um, uh, I do I want, think I, one thing I did also want to point out with this deck that I thought was interesting, based on what we talked about last week, is it's not playing any Izzet charms. Yeah, which we it's funny you actually made that prediction, right? That the decks you they, made that prediction. I was actually more on it, but yeah, they hedge on Izzet charms in the beginning. Mm -hmm. They play it, and then as they go, they, they remove it for the cards they actually want. Right. Um, so. Quinn Kotecki's Runaway Red is another really cool deck that we saw. We've talked about Runaway Steamkin, um, mm -hmm. the, the awesome new two-mana creature from Guilds of Ravnica. Red and one for an elemental 1-1. One, one. Whenever you cast a red spell, if Runaway Steamkin has fewer than three plus one plus one counters on it, put a counter on it, remove three plus one plus one counters from it, and add three red to your pool. So it's, a, it's like a ramp red card, but also it's a creature that grows as you cast spells, so it sort of acts as play two spells, attack with a big creature, mm -hmm. and then have the ability to remove the counters to make mana and then continue to use the mana to you know, grow the thing bigger. It's a, it's a combo card, but also just like a pretty sweet aggressive card. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you noticed, but there's several copies of Risk Factor in this deck. Uh, yeah, I did. I noticed. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, there is also a uh, really cool Blue Red Accessions deck in the top 32. It got 18th place uh, that played... Aral, is it Viceroy? This card has seen a lot more oh, play yeah. than I ever thought. So this was like a really weird deck, right? Because this is it looks on the surface like it's a storm deck, but it's really not. It's, it's, a, it's a Pyromancer Ascension deck. Yeah. It's and it's like a weird one at that, because it's like the one Ral is it Viceroy is like super cool, but it, it really actually in a lot of ways, looking at it, it's almost like a control deck, right? Like the it's playing two path. It's playing four lightning pull. It's playing a Ral. It's playing Snapcaster Mage to get him back. Yeah, Remand, Cryptic Command. Right. It's mm -hmm. like a straight up blue. This is like this is closer to like a Blue Moon deck with like another flavor to it than it is like other things we've seen. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a blue red control or it's almost a, I guess it's technically just guy control deck with those two path that just is trying to use Pyromancer Ascension and Lightning Bolts to eventually kill your opponent. Yeah, I think playing Ralph is, is at Viceroy is pretty good. I didn't see that card coming, did you? I really didn't think that card was going to be any good. Nope, didn't see it at all. And yeah, surprising everyone. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if we talked about it on our review episode. There's another copy in the sideboard. Yeah. It's playing one in the main, one in the board. Uh, next is Fairies. Got at 13th place. Yeah, this is pretty dumb. Uh, and there's nothing like it's playing Jace. It's playing, you know, Fatal Push. It's playing Liliana. Um, playing Cast Down, which I think is, is really dope out of... Uh, 
Dominaria and then playing two heroes downfall, which is just kind of a statement of how many good planeswalkers there are out there and like the need to play at instant speed for this deck. I think this is kind of a cool thing to point out. So Yuta Takahashi, who played this deck, he mm -hmm. won two Grand Prix back in 2008 playing fairies. Won a standard okay. Grand Prix and, a, blo and a, a block Grand Prix. And it's such a cool reminder that like if you play a style you're good at that you like playing, mm -hmm you can find a way to outplay your opponents just based on your familiarity with the cards and the style, even if it's not like tier one cards. Right. And something to keep in mind here is it's barely a fairies deck. This is really a blue-black yeah. flash deck that, or a blue-black control deck that's playing two spell splutter sprite and bitter blossom. Like, yeah, right. It, if there wasn't a spell splutter sprite in this deck, bitter blossom is the only fairy card in this. And it's playing one V click in the sideboard. Yeah, yeah. it's like this it's is like really two not. It's like So like there are fairy synergies, but it's like a fairy synergy B plan, not an A plan. And it's just yeah. playing like spell splutter sprite is good, generally countering one drops all day long, and you just get the benefit card. of everything else. Um, yeah. So the uh, last the last deck to talk about here before we move on to Ultimate Masters is David Hauser's Possibility Storm. He finished 221st. He was 9-6 and six in the end. Uh, this is a wonky deck of all wonky decks. This is like that kind of deck that we see and we're like, yeah, one of us, one of us would have loved to just <laughs> be so excited about this deck. I mean, like Possibility Storm, some of you guys don't remember, but this card costs red, red, three. It's an enchantment. It's from, uh, I believe, Dragon's Maze. Whenever a player casts a spell, from his or her hand, that player exiles it. Then exiles cards from the top of his or her library until he or she exiles a card that shares a card type with it. That player may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then he or she puts all cards exiled with Possibility Storm on the bottom of his or her library in any order. If you play a creature that isn't Emrakul, and Emrakul is the only other creature in your deck, you'll cast Emrakul for free. Mm -hmm. That's how this mm -hmm. works. So this is a fascinating build. Um, it's so meticulous. He's playing a single copy of Endless One, a single copy of Emrakul, four copies of Possibility Storm. He, he gets to Possibility Storm by just basically playing control cards. Tons of one-ofs, like three. He has, is it, he has a few cantrips of his charm and Seer Visions. And he's got a weird land package, two Blood Moon, yes. two Jace, the Mind Sculptor. The Gifts Ungiven that he's playing two of is particularly interesting. Um, there's an article here talking about the things that he can get. So one of the packages that he can get is Endless One, Expedition Map, Teleria West, Academy Ruins. And the missing card here is that if they give him Teleria West and bin the Endless One, he can then transmute Teleria West to get Zoetic Cavern. And you can also use the Expedition Map to do that. Yeah. I mean, but if they bin map an endless one, for instance, sure, right? I, I guess he can get back with the but map with with yeah. yeah. The point is, is that there's no way he can't cast an Emrakul by uh, with six mana, I guess, on the, or the next turn exactly with so, that combo of cards. Because Zoetic Cavern, which is the morph, the uncommon morph land mm -hmm. from uh, Future Sight, that if you cast it as a morph creature, technically it does trigger Possibility Storm, uh, their their ability to get your Emrakul out of your deck. So, mm -hmm. very very cool deck, very weird deck. I mean, definitely the fact that you have to play a five mana enchantment with like no ability to protect it is not the best. Uh, I guess you could play Pact of Negation. He doesn't play it. You could play Pact of Negation in this deck. That would make sense, right? Mm -hmm. Because you play, you cast five to cast the Possibility Storm. So then if you sure. back up... No, but you could lose. Because if you Possibility Storm... Oh, you don't... Don't you have to cast the Possibility Storm card or can you not cast it? Oh, whenever you cast a spell, you exile it and have to come up with another one, so it wouldn't even work. Yeah. Once the Possibility Storm... Oh, no, no, no. You cast Possibility Storm. It's on the stack. They try to counter it. You then get to counter their counter. And by the time you untap, you don't care. Because at that point, you'll pay for it. You have Emrakul. Sure. Okay. 
Yeah, seems yeah. seems, seems a little dicey, but yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, guys, those are the sweetest decks of Grand Prix Atlanta. It was definitely a fun tournament. Uh, you can read Frank and Carson's full article here on the Mothership if you want to find out a little more about it. Yep. But um, And now the, the, the last section of today's episode, Ultimate Masters. This was a pretty... Contentious thing that we released. Would you call it surprising? Uh... That was, I mean, we knew there was a master set coming out soon. Like, we were, it was, like, definitely on the schedule. Uh, the depth of this set is awesome. I mean, we were just talking about how, like, to really make master sets exciting. I think we even said make them more expensive, but, like, give it Mount of Masters one value. I think we had that conversation on this podcast. Well, because I, like, so I saw a lot of the comments. Okay, so, so let's, let's, let's talk about what this is really quickly. I think that's, that's the best place to start, right? So... Ultimate Masters has been announced as the final Master set. In the last few years, we've gotten Modern Masters 1, Modern Masters 2, and Modern Masters 3. That's 13, 15, and 17. We had Eternal Masters, Iconic Masters, and Magic 25, which basically is a Master set. Mm -hmm. So six Master sets since 2013, Mm -hmm. on top of which we had multiple Conspiracy sets, Arch Enemy, and Battle Bond in that time. Not Arch Enemy. Sorry. Two Conspiracies, Battle Bond. Unstable. Unstable. Yeah, Unstable. So only yeah, only three that had like modern reprints in them somewhere of some variety because unstable. Whoa, didn't. Steam Flogger boss. Yeah, it's a good, solid, solid one. Yeah, he's killing the format right now. Nine sets that they found ways to not give us a standard draft environment while still giving us modern reprints in the last five years. Right, nine okay. sets in five years. So uh, well, I mean, no, in the last year, sets have especially with Dominaria, they've been much more on the train of reprinting staples into standard. Sure, but I'm, I'm saying of all those master sets and, conspir- and, and, and multiplayer sets, none of those were standard legal, and they were all finding ways to give us cool draft sure. environments that were not standard. Yeah. So this is the final one. Yeah. And what they've said is they're increasing the price. Well, no, 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 no. That's making an incorrect statement. This isn't the final one of those. This is the final master set. That does not mean... Well, no, no, no. But what they mean by that is that there's no longer going to be premium-priced packs coming out. There's going to be way more battle bonds. Conspiracies, there's battle bonds. Conspiracies. Yeah. There's going to be unstables. There's going to be other versions of these kinds of sets where they make interesting draft environments. Like, there'll probably be a commander one where every pack comes with a legendary creature, and then you get oh, to pick yeah. a legendary creature and then draft a singleton commander deck off of it. Or and commander. Yeah, commander sets, too, on top of all the sets we just talked about. It's right. a lot of reprint sets. So, so and... and with their commitment to core sets and the you know the decision that like these these larger sets these high value sets weren't doing very well anymore and they realized that battle bond did so well and unstable did so well that's what this is this isn't we're done making draft sets this is we're going to be making these more creative ventures that will do what you want and will be at price points that you care about so we're giving this last hurrah of this one set. We're going to put every card that like you really want in this set to make it as dope as possible. But to do that, we need to increase the price of packs because one of two things was going to happen. You know, one Modern Masters one came out. It was SRP seven dollars, but then every store charged fourteen ninety nine. So they're increasing it, but then they're also just raising the SRP to what every store would either either charge or they would open enough of it and no one would be able to. I think it. stores might charge more. This set is so stacked. No, it's gonna be as it's gonna be it's gonna be delivered at the same level. Like it's not gonna be Modern Masters one levels of print. Like we're going to get two print runs. It's gonna be print at that level. It's just gonna be so much more expensive that it's gonna keep card values at a little bit of a higher level. The other joke that I saw online that was really good was, you know, 
forever people were kidding on like if wizards included a hundred dollar bill in a box of modern people would complain yeah and they <laughs> literally are doing it here and the internet is not happy about well, it well <laughs> kind of so the average price of one of these cards is a hundred dollars it's above that it's a, it's like 125 okay but that is true you're right mm-hmm. but when i open my pack and I open my fancy reanimate, or I open my phantom Lord of Extinction, mm-hmm. or I open, you know, my fancy, I don't even know what another. Reanimate's, my, reanimate's lava, worth more than you think it is. Uh, the two, lava Claw Reaches, like, I'm going to not be stoked. Like, there's going to be cards that you open here that are not $100. Sure, but most of them aren't. Most of, And some of them are way above that. Yeah, I mean, opening like the because okay, so we should talk about what we're t- what we're saying here. Yeah. Box toppers. Yeah. So there was a thing that happened this last week where people started in the mail getting these cards, right? Yeah. And it was because they had tried to order the Mythic Edition uh, Guilds of Ravnica special box, and they had run out of quantity. So Wizards was rewarding some of those people that missed out by, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, sending them these box toppers, like a single box topper, right? Mm-hmm. And the, I think it's a box topper pack, maybe, or they just sent them the actual single card, maybe just the single card. The pack wouldn't make any sense because the set's not out yet. Um, and they were these extended art, beautiful, like really, really cool cards. And and I'm going to read the list. Should I just read the whole list? It's no? using the same frame. No, don't read the whole list. Yeah. I mean, you could go look at the list online. It, and they're, they're not the who's who's of all powerful cards in Modern, but, you know, they are the best mythic list that we've gotten in the Masters set since Modern Masters 1 and a ton of rares and uncommons that are of similar level. Oh, yeah. Balefire Dragon and, you know, Eternal Witness and really, really good cards. And, like, you know, the man, the, the, the man lands or creature lands are the, the are rares in the set. And you have, like... And that's the point. Is like, those are rares. And how much was, was uh, Celestial Colonnade a week ago? 60 bucks. Right. And, like, Creeping Carpet wasn't that much farther behind it. Neither was Raging Ravine. And, like... Yeah, they're like 25, 30 each. Right. And so, and we don't even know what the commons and uncommons are going to look like, and there's going to be other rares, and some of them are going to be valuable. Like, these are just the most iconic ones they picked, but there's going to be other cards in the set that are going to be worth looking at. Is the biggest miss in terms of, and I guess we don't know if it's in the set yet, but it would, no, it's not in the set because it would be a box topper. Mox Opal? Is the biggest miss Mox Opal? It looks like it. Yeah, it looks like they've uh, got almost every if, other one of the desired if cards. I'm Wizards. I don't make one of these mocks opal. Because you're going to go back to Ramiridon. No. Uh, because you're going to ban it. <laughs> or it's on my watch list of right, cards. Right, like, right, right. Mox Opal has obviously been a problematic card for a long time. I'm not saying they're going to ban it. I'm not even saying it needs to be banned, though a lot of people are. It, it's but Wizards. you don't want to pull an Iavugan Masterpiece situation. Yeah, you don't want to put a card in a Masterpiece that it's going to be like a $300 card that people will pay $300 for, and then it get banned in three months. And they don't know for sure what the format's going to look like when they decide upon these artworks being made. So they... I think they're in a bind if they do that. Um, we are going to do probably a full Ultimate Master set review at some point, but just quickly talking about any 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 massive, massive wins here. I mean, I think the biggest wins from... Because they released the entire list. You can see all of the box toppers, which means that mm-hmm. like these are the spoilers. I think for me, the big win... It's got to be through the breach. That's one of the biggest ones. But that's been sorely needed for so long. Yep. Yep. Um, that's a huge one. I'm like looking for... They don't have... Man lands are huge. They're, that was that was a big one. Like we needed right. we needed those to come back. Um, we've seen some of these reprints are, are are reprints we've seen before. Karn liberated, Liliana yeah. the Veil. Gory's Vengeance has desperately needed a reprint. That was a big one. Engineer uh, explosives needed needed one badly. That's yeah. that's a big win. 
To be only honest, Karn and Liliana could just be printed into the ground and the world would be a better place. <laughs> yeah. No yeah, more yeah. hierarchies, the same boat. Like, that's still the most played card in the format. And Cavern, we need more of, of it. Cavern of Souls. Snapcaster Mage. This Tarmogoy fart is ter- terrible. <laughs> you don't like it? Uh, no. Do you like it? Kind of weird looking. Yeah. Who doesn't love a Vengevine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just anywhere. Just showing up. Possibly yeah. after you play two creatures. Uh,. So yeah, that's yeah. the that's the big news. Um, I'm trying to find a list of what the prices are for these, but I believe the list I've seen is that the average is above 100. And even if they give you 80 dollars, which isn't a single bill, but they give you 80 dollars per box that you buy, like the joke holds. Are you going to buy a box? Yeah, definitely. At least one. At least one. This Maybe feels two. this to me feels like the kindness. Of this the came co- out next year. I'd buy two. <laughs> this feels like the kind of thing where if you bought a case. Like, if, let's say you could afford to and you bought a case and you mm-hmm. sat on it. There's no way you lose money in five years. There's, like, no way. Mm-hmm. It's, like, so stacked. The price of it is actually not that high because the box topper being what it is. Mm-hmm. You get, like, a $100 rebate, basically. Even if you got, like, a $40 rebate, which right. is, like, let's just say all of the average prices of the, of the cards, the box toppers drop because they will. Right. Um, let's say you got $40 back. I think the retail is, what, 340 Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. Uh, you spend 300 bucks. To get 24 packs of like epically sweet stuff. Now we're gonna find out as we go what the other cards are, the rares, the uncommons, the commons. You know specifically, there's a, there's some there's some pretty important modern cards that I would expect to see. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because you know the Kitcher Binks and Eternal Witness got these full art cards, and does that mean that that's the top end of value as far as reprints go? Or I mean. Obviously, there's comments that they can reprint. They can print an Ancient Stories reprint. They can reprint, you know, other cards into common. Lightning Bolt could be a common. It's been a common before. Mana Leak, same deal. So I'm fascinated to see what the value of commons are. And I'm also a little worried that this is the value at, or these are the best and most valuable on commons. Uh, I think I think you will definitely see Finks and Witness, but I think they're iconic, which is why they put them in here. They're they're incredibly like. Well, but what valuable uncommon is it? Like Path to Exile is iconic. Like uh, Path like, to Exile like could be one when of you, these. When they, if, let's, there's let's no say, mono white. I believe there's not a single mono white box topper. Let's say Metamorphosis in the set, which I think it probably will be. Sure. That's like a ten, eleven dollar yeah, card. No, like that's a strong uncommon. Yeah, and that doesn't. That, that was a Modern Masters one, one uncommon. I think yeah. that's probably in the set. You know, uh, we've already got an IOK. I believe it was one. Okay. IOK has been written into the ground a little bit. That's not like sure. I think if Thoughtseize was in this set, we would have seen it in this list. I think there would have been a fancy Thoughtseize. Yeah, if there was a fancy reanimate. I think Thoughtseize. Well, Thoughtseize is also a card that they can put in the standard. I don't know if they will or they'd have to do it in the right environment because last time they did it at Baroque standard, but yeah. Um, yeah, and, so. And, 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 you know, back to the, the ending of Master sets because we are the Masters of Modern. It's yeah. relevant, rel- <laughs> relevant to us. Uh, I do think this is a move to the better. The master sets were problematic. The the higher price point packs when the draft formats weren't excellent or when this was happening regularly and wasn't special made it unexciting. This feels special. And this going out and then moving forward, they're going to do... Like when they say this is the last master set, I can see us getting additional master sets eventually. But they're going to start focusing on creative draft formats that they can't do in standard, that will have tons of modern reprints, and then core sets are going to also have modern reprints now. They're going to be stuff like 
through the breach. Like through the breach is a card as long as arcane is available. And we just got scape shift and crucible. Like yeah, they, I don't think through the breach can get printed in standard. That, but there are other cards that can be that are modern playable. Speaking of which, pick up your scape shifts and your crucibles right now because yeah. those cards are like eleven dollars. Yep, yep, yep. yep. They're like they were like fifty, sixty mm-hmm. before. And they're the not. They're not cards that are ever going to be printed again. And crucible. Every time it's been printed, it's bounced right back. Yeah. Because every, every casual deck on the planet could use a Crucible Worlds. Like, realistically, because they're Mythics, if you jump forward 18 months, mythics? I think they're both 40 yeah. bucks. Yeah. Easy. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Quadruple your money. So, um, yeah, I think that's those are the main topics today. That's GP Atlanta. Those are the sweet decks. We talked about Ultimate Masters. Um, do you think Modern's in a good place or a bad place? I mean, like, final thought. Um... I think modern is super diverse. I think the fact that every top eight we see every single week almost is totally different is a really good thing for it. I think that ancient stirrings is too strong and probably should get banned. I'm gonna or, go or preordain is unbanned. I'm totally fine. Just just the fact that this card is probably better than cards that are banned. I think that to me is always a scale that should be paid attention to. Cards that are legal shouldn't be better or strictly better than cards that are banned. And it's not strictly better, but it's definitely better than preordain. I am going to play at Grand Prix Portland in one month, okay. uh, December eighth, I think it is. I will be there. If you guys are there, I might, I might even like organize like a meetup. My older brother, who taught me how to play Magic when I was a little kid, when mm-hmm. I was a wee lad, I was, you know, I was seven years old. Um, he taught me how to play. He is going to come with me. He's going to drive out from Seattle, mm-hmm. and we're going to meet and get to play Magic, which is going to be really, really fun. I'm looking forward to it. We might even do like a meetup and get him to kind of whatever. So anyway, uh, what should I play? <laughs> it's a month that's, from now. That's a chat question. Chat. What should Ben play? Yeah, what should I play, guys? Leave it in the comments what you think I should play. If you're yep. listening to this on, on, the, on the podcast, tweet at me at Ben Bateman Media. Let me know what you think I should play. I'll probably come up with some wonky brew that I'll really enjoy playing that will get me four wins. But, uh, you know, I'll work on it. So yeah. it'll probably play Life from the Loam. Um, That's it for the episode. Yeah, that's going to wrap us up, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Uh, as always, you guys are the best of the best. We, I think, did all of our shout-outs. So thanks to everybody who has already joined the Patreon. You guys have been the best in the world. Yeah, and, make, sure, uh, make sure all you people watching right now in the live stream, subscribe on YouTube. All the people listening or watching this video as a YouTube video, there's a little button down there. Subscribe. Click it. I don't, it's over there or there. I can't tell based on the iPad because it mirrors things. But uh, do that. Uh, if you're wa- listening on the podcast, thanks so much. Throw up a review. You know, those are always actually helpful. Yeah, we don't, that's we a big don't, one. we don't shout out what to really do if you're listening to the podcast as much as we probably should. So review the episode. Always great. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Talk and soon. Let us, know, let us know how you felt about late night, late night live stream. Late night live stream. I don't know what that was. Bye, guys. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator.